You're listening to The Thrive Podcast, where every week we dive into a practical, tactical tip to bring you from a life of simply surviving to thriving. It's personal development for the everyday girl who is done with coasting through her days, done with feeling like she's missing out on the deeper meaning of her own life, and done with mediocrity once and for all. Because it's not enough to simply survive, you deserve to thrive. Ah, I can't believe I'm even saying this. Then again, this is how life works, Erica. But my baby just turned two years old. She did not get the memo that she is supposed to be my baby forever. So I guess this is where the execution of her new favorite word, no, comes into play. Now, I don't know if it's just the nature of the year and the hot mess express that has been 2020 or the nature of her at this stage and age, but I have found myself being all the more reflective, really just taking time to be present and in the moment with her and also thoughtful afterwards about what she's doing and learning and just being like now as a now toddler. And I guess because of that, I've found myself time and time again lately just mulling over these kind of profound life lessons that are at the forefront of my brain thanks to this chatty, feisty two-year-old. So as friends do, I wanted to share them with you. 10 life lessons from my two-year-old. Life lesson number one, we should all smile and say hi to people more. Liv is hands down the most delightful shopper in any store. Bless her heart, the girl says hiya to any and every person that graces her path. And you know what? Not a single soul is grouchy or sad or rude because of it. In fact, it brings smiles to people's faces. The girl does not discriminate. She will say hi to anyone, regardless of race or gender. Heck, even if you've got face tattoos. And it is warm and sincere, and people feel that. It seems so simple, but when you realize how many of us walk around on autopilot or a bit numb to the world, being shaken out of that by a genuine act of kindness can really change the moment. Lesson number two, falling down is part of life. Just say oof and keep on moving. I think I can count on one hand the number of times Liv has fallen down and actually started crying. Seriously, the girl's a tank. (laughs) Granted, her pediatrician did call her, what was it, jacked at her last visit, so I think it's safe to say she's a bit stronger than your average toddler. Maybe it's that, maybe it's the fact that she lived through so much medical trauma from birth through like six months of age, so she's practically invincible, but the girl doesn't let falls phase her. Nope. She literally just says, oof, and gets right back up and keeps on moving. I mean, we know where the life lesson is here, right? How many times do we fall down in life? Metaphorically speaking, except for that time I fell down the stairs with a cup of coffee in front of the guys installing our lock system and Liv just watched, but I digress. How many times do we fall down in life and find it hard or troubling or challenging to get back up? When we were kids, it was simple. Falling down was a literal necessity, a necessary part of life in learning to walk. So you started with tiny baby steps, and when you fell down, as everyone knew you would... You just got back up and tried again. At some point, we forget that. 
and we're afraid of what falling down does to us, or maybe more specifically what it does to our ego, we're not afraid of falling. We're afraid of them seeing us fall because then we feel embarrassed or awkward as if we no longer have permission to get back up better than before. But why should it be any less victorious to get back up after falling as a grown-up as it is when babies finally learn to walk? Every baby is different. Some of us started walking at nine months. Hello, that would be me. <laughs> others took until their first birthday, and others are halfway to two and still toddling around tables, and that's a-okay. We all go at different paces. We all learn differently and have different journeys, and it's all okay. What's not okay is refusing to get back up when you fall, because you will fall. So the next time it happens, because it will, just say oof, make a mental note of anything you want to change or fix to right course next time, since that is one step we have above toddlers, and keep moving forward. Lesson number three, if you are persistent enough, you'll probably get your way. If there are any parenting experts listening in, or like moms of 17 who have it all figured out, ignore this one because I already know this is not correct parenting advice. But any fellow mamas, especially toddler mamas, probably feel me on this. It is basically always a battle of willpower. Who can hang on the longest? Who is the most stubborn? Usually it's me, but sometimes it's Liv. Because dang it, the girl is as persistent as a prosecutor, and sometimes I just have to give her kudos for the tenacity. Her persistence might play out like this. Liv asks for a cookie, a kiki as she likes to call it, but lo and behold, it's lunchtime and girlfriend has not had a single healthy morsel of food yet. So we say, all right, Liv, you have to eat your lunch first and then you can have a cookie. Liv will huff and puff about how that is clearly an unsatisfactory answer before popping a cheese cube or green bean in her mouth. She'll chew it up a bit, and right when you think you're in the clear, she'll spit it all back out and expect a cookie. I mean, gotta give the girl props. She sure is creative. So we try again and put a foot down, no cookie until lunch. Until the same charade is repeated a few more times, and finally we say, screw it, but not out loud because hello, tiny ears. <laughs> and she gets her cookie. Be persistent. And if you can't be persistent, at least be creative. You'll probably get your way in the end. Lesson number four. Adults don't get outside nearly enough. One of Olivia's favorite words is outside. She'll run to whatever door is closest, grabbing at the knob and begging any adult in earshot to let her out like a puppy that really needs to pee. Sometimes she has got a clear destination in mind, like the swing set, but other times she just wants to wander around in the grass. And when this exchange happened yesterday, I sat down on a swing next to her and I breathed in deeply and realized, wow, it was 5 p.m. and I hadn't seen the light of day all day long. Granted, I may be in a unique spot since I work from home, so my life is literally like being in quarantine 24-7 if I'm not careful and intentional about it, but it was a startling realization nonetheless. How simple fresh air is and how often we take it for granted. I felt an instant surge of good feels and peace entering my system just by stepping into a new stomping ground that involved green grass and dirt instead of a screen. 
Lesson number five. When you have a bad attitude, you probably need one of three things. A snack, a nap, or a hug. Try all three. You'll probably feel better, and if not, ask Jesus for some help and that'll do it. Lesson number six. If you don't get an answer, just keep asking until you get a no. Remember how I said Liv loves herself a cookie and also loves being outside? Well, for either of those things, or really anything that she wants enough, she thinks she can just repeat the word over and over and over and over and over again until someone caves. It's adorable because it's almost as if she thinks you're just not understanding her little words. So sometimes she'll, she'll grab your hand or use dramatic gesturing for added emphasis just in case. Same when Papa comes over because Papa is Olivia's favorite person on planet Earth. Papa, 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 Papa. Lord help it if Papa is in a conversation or in the bathroom because Liv will wait right there yelling his name until he is available for whatever adventure she has in mind. And if or when she is told no, she'll just wait a few minutes and ask again. So if you aren't getting an answer, maybe don't jump to the conclusion that the answer you haven't even received yet is going to be a no. And definitely don't jump to thinking it's a never. Keep asking until you actually hear no. And if or when you do hear no, just wait a little bit, pray. Grow if you need to grow, and don't be afraid to ask again if the time is more right later. You might just get a yes. Lesson number seven, enjoy your freaking food. One of my favorite little things about Liv at this age is the fact that everything is just delightful and also delicious. Anytime she tastes a bite of something she likes, we get a big mmm, which is funny because it often accompanies green beans too, bless up. <laughs> but man, does this girl enjoy her food. And that is what I love, love, love to see. Because in today's society, I feel like every other thing I see on social media is this diet or that weight loss plan. And so much is centered around restriction cutting out and cutting back on things that you might love because it's got one carb count too many. And I'm just not here for that. While you might know I'm not one to believe in balance in life, I do believe in balance in food. I do not think or believe that you need to or should cut out a food group in its entirety or never eat a cupcake again to achieve this happy, healthy life. I 100% stand by the saying everything in moderation because life is short and you deserve to enjoy the food you're putting in to fuel your body too. Our bodies are machines and definitely need fuel, but heck, they don't need gasoline. And cheese tastes way better than gas, I'm sure. Instead of begrudging something that tastes good because you think it's going to set you back on a fitness goal or put a pound on your thighs, really try to shift your mindset to focus on an overall healthy lifestyle, mind, body, and spirit that lives moderately. Should you eat pizza every night for a week? Nope. Can you have a good greasy slice of pepperoni on Friday night? You betcha. And you better enjoy it. Lesson number eight. Band-aids aren't nearly as good as medicine. Stop covering up what actually needs healing. For as long as we can remember, Liv has had super sensitive skin. She basically always has an eczema patch or a flare-up, and we're always trying different creams or lotions to help ease any itch, 
and ideally cure the problem spot. So much so that Liv knows the word medicine, which she calls meme, and will now point to a spot that may be bothering her on a given day and ask for it. Ironically, she is not a big Band-Aid fan, which I love for this particular life lesson, so stick with me. The whole goal and hope with a medicine is to what? To heal something, to make it better, to fix it. While Band-Aids really just serve one purpose, to cover something up. Too often, I think we grab the Band-Aids in life. We look to just cover things up with a quicker, maybe easier fix, instead of finding a more long-term solution. In the moment, it might feel like it makes the most sense because of time or convenience or whatever, which very well might be the case, but it's not necessarily going to lead to the actual fix that we need. If you have a wound in your life, maybe a wound on your heart from your childhood or a wound in a relationship that you've caused, I want to encourage you to stop band-aiding the situation. Band-aids don't give room to breathe and things don't magically heal beneath them. Suck it up, grab something with potency, like an apology or some heart work in therapy, and apply something new. Lesson number nine, you learn by taking things totally apart before putting them back together. Ever watch a toddler play with those Duplos or Mega Blocks? They're like the stepping stone to Legos that won't make you choke. <laughs> and they're actually totally awesome, especially for littler fingers. But what's really fascinating is when they're at the age where they can dissemble something completely and intentionally and then work to put it all back together again. What's cool is you can basically see sparks happening over their little heads as light bulbs go off because at this point, Everything is new and exciting and a learning experience. So they are learning in real time what works together and what doesn't. And you're just along for the ride as you watch. And at some point we grow up and we fear that moment of things totally falling apart. Kids get all excited to knock a totally fine Lego castle down to kingdom come and don't even blink at the idea of just starting over and building it back up again. But grownups, we fear the fall apart. We detest it. Heck, we might not even like it if we're forced to change up our coffee order because Starbucks is out of almond milk, let alone if the entire building burned down. But sometimes things need to be wiped out and burned down so that something better can be built up in its place. It's the same reason farmers literally burn down fields of crops sometimes to create better soil and fertilizer for the next year's harvest. Granted, I'm no farmer, so don't come at me for terminology, but I think that's how it's done. <laughs> so the lesson, stop looking at it like the worst thing to happen to you if everything falls apart and goes to you nowhere. Look at what you learn by taking things apart and then knowing how to put them back together again better. Lesson number 10, the thing that gives you butterflies in your tummy and a little bit of thrill, you should do that. This summer, since we had moved to our new house, we're lucky enough to have this cute little swing set that the previous owners left behind. And Liv is living for that swing set. I swear we're on it every single day. And m one of the most fun moments and memories of the summer was when Liv decided she was going to go down the big slide all by herself. Mind you, this is a big girl slide. So for this kid to just be up there, sit down and decide, you know what, I'm doing it. 
It was a big freaking deal. And sure enough, she did it. The best thing though was catching it on video and watching it back after. Because you can see there's this moment when she is sitting at the top of the slide, mommy and daddy cheering her on and telling her to let go and push where she takes a deep breath and she starts to push herself forward, not really knowing what to expect next. And she does this cute little gasp and giggle right before sliding down fast, eyes closed and clapping at the end to do it again. That moment was the key because you could all but see the butterflies flying out of this girl's tummy and you could feel her nervous excitement as she was about to do something she had never done before. And she did it. She felt the fear and she did it anyway. And I think that's how you and I should do it too. So two years, 10 lessons, I hope these gave you some encouraging, motivating feels while I am sitting here feeling all the sappy feels. Because <laughs> now I am off to go enjoy a cookie with my girl. See you next time. Wait, before you go, if you like what you just listened to, drop us five stars on iTunes. Make sure you're subscribed to never miss an episode of Thrive. And if you're on Instagram, snap a screenshot and share to your story with what episode you're tuning into and tag me at Erica Legenza with what part resonated with you the most. That way I can see what's helping you and your friends can pick up a helpful tidbit too. Thanks for tuning in. It's your time to thrive.